On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, Elon Musk gives a potpourri of updates on various things. A company-wide email suggests that we're in the middle of a big, big quarter for Tesla. Another state is looking to hike annual registration rates on electric vehicles. Tesla adds a fun new Rick and Morty-themed Easter egg to the cars, and more. Howdy, friends. Welcome to the 199th episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast. This one's for May 26th, 2019, Memorial Day weekend here in the United States. Well, I had another busy week, another trip this week. I was off to the East Coast. Quick turnaround, just out one day and back the next. And I'll tell you, man, I forgot how beautiful an East Coast spring is. I mean, it's, you know, it's nice out here in Northern California, too, but just the smell in the air of the various trees and blossoms and things, man, I love it. Brought me back to my uh, New Jersey childhood there for a minute. Also, before I get started this week, a quick thank you to two people, Eli Burton from My Tesla Adventure and Bill Morris, another listener, for clearing up what had been, for me, just my own little curiosity, a mini mystery about how Tesla was going to badge the new Model S's and X's now that Tesla's moved away from the 75D, 100D, and P100D nomenclature. So it turns out that they are using the exact same badges on S and X that they are on the three, the dual motor badge uh, on the uh, presumably 75Ds and 100Ds, and on the performance cars, you get the dual motor with the red underline, same as the performance Model 3 has. So that, no doubt, will save them a f literally maybe a few cents on each car, maybe more, I don't know, but it'll save them a little bit of money by just having one pool of badges to dip into. And as we've heard Elon say in the past, a few cents on each car and a few cents on each part and this part and that part on a, on a thing with 10,000 parts in it adds up quickly. So uh, that, little, that little thing's cleared up. So if you're ordering a new S or X, now you know what's going to be on the back of the car. As, uh, I don't know if you hear that, Daisy the Boxer Puppy is digging out a squeak toy back there, so hopefully she won't get too disruptive. Anyway, let me get started with the news this week. Got, uh, I think, like five very interesting stories to cover, starting with a series of tweets from Elon Musk. You know, it's been a, a good while now since we had a good Tesla-related tweet storm from Elon. You know, I don't know if maybe the, the SEC, quote-unquote, Twitter sitter, is really having an impact on his social media output or not, or if it's even if it's just a subconscious effect on him, you know. But anyway, he did post about a couple of topics, starting with video games within the Teslas. So we've already got the Tesla Tari suite. And he says this, quote, lots more games coming once we finish porting Unity, which is a, a game engine, a graphics engine that powers a lot of uh, popular video games now. And he says, also porting Unreal Engine. You'll be, be able to interact with games via the touchscreen, steering wheel, buttons, and an Xbox or PlayStation controller. We definitely need a racing game using the actual car steering wheel and pedals. Well, of course, the footnote on that is that they had a racing game that used the actual car steering wheel and pedals, and that was 
the Teslatari custom version of pole position. But as it had turned out, you may recall, Tesla didn't quite have the rights to use it in the manner that they used it. Uh, because if you remember from when that game was available, you drove a red Model 3, not an Indy car, but a red Model 3. So it was quietly removed from the Tesla Tari library. But uh, Unity could allow for some really interesting things. The Unreal Engine, I don't know what version of Unreal Engine that, that the car's system and the GPU can handle, because they're up to Unreal Engine 4, and that's what high-end PCs and consoles are running games on is the Unreal Engine 4, but... Uh, any version of it would be interesting. It would open the door to a lot of, of potentially interesting video games. But just trying to think of that, you know, just answering Elon's own th desire, his own thinking out loud for what would be a good racing game that could use the wheel and the pedals of your actual car. A classic one came to mind. Do any of you out there remember Road Blasters? It was an arcade game. I had the NES version. And in it, you ran around, you drove this futuristic car, uh, there was some car combat, and you drove around collecting these green energy spheres for fuel. So I guess it's kind of in the spirit of an electric car. If we just go ahead and pretend that those energy spheres <laughs> were some sort of renewable energy. But uh, you might be thinking when, when you hear the idea of, okay, a racing game, well, what would be cool in the Tesla? How about Mario Kart? Well, that certainly is, uh, if it came to your mind, that's no surprise because Mario Kart's one of the world's most famous, most popular, most lo uh, longest running racing games. Well, someone asked that question and Elon did respond saying, quote, Nintendo won't let us. So presumably that means Tesla did ask, which is cool. You got to ask, you know, I'm, I'm big in life. One of my philosophies in life is you never know what you get if you just try asking politely. So uh, no surprise, though, unfortunately, that Nintendo <laughs> said no. They're, they're a very, very stingy company when it comes to their IPs. And I'm not saying that as a dig. It's just, just you know, they're protective of their property. And although what's interesting is they have licensed their stuff out in some bizarre ways over the years. For instance, in the 1980s, there was a, Mario teaches typing game for PC that Nintendo didn't develop themselves. They licensed that out to make. So they're not, a, they're not above licensing their IPs out for interesting stuff, but maybe one day. You never know. It, all it takes, you know what it is? All it takes is for the right person at Nintendo who makes these kind of licensing decisions, be it, you know, Nintendo of America or, or the mothership at Nintendo of Japan. Just it takes the right person to get a Tesla and fall in love with it, and then then <laughs> the, the door opens. Then that person thinks, oh, you know what? Mario Kart would be really cool on here. So never say never. You don't know. But anyway, uh, Elon was, he went on a little bit of a video game uh, tilt, if you'll pardon the pinball expression there. Continuing here, he threw out a favorite series that he said he'd like to see uh, uh, playable in the car. He said, Portal 1 and 2 on this would rock. Well, I certainly wouldn't disagree with him there. Although I wouldn't have guessed that, that Tesla, that the cars have the GPU capability for this, to run the source engine, which is the, the technology that the Portal games are built off of. But hey, since he did say that they're aiming to make the Unreal Engine run on a Tesla, that means we could see all kinds of stuff 
Unreal Engine, if you're not familiar, it is, it is almost ubiquitous in the games industry. So many phenomenal games have been, ma- have been made on it. But, but back to Portal for a second. If you've never played either of the Portal games, they are first-person puzzle games with just this razor-sharp sense of humor. They're so good. In fact, in my humble opinion, and I am a professional video game critic, if I I may, Portal 2 might be the best game of the last 10 years. At at worst, it's one of. It's in the top three. But it might be the best game of the last 10 years. Speaking of popular games, the thread continued. Elon mentioned that, quote, it would be great to have Roblox and Minecraft. So you threw those out as well. Now, those are definitely uh, less intensive games from a hardware perspective. Those, those could certainly, they would have a better chance of running, I think, than, than Portal would. But, uh, but man, building, in, uh, building something in Minecraft, that sure could kill off a supercharger stop very easily. 20, 30 minutes, 45 minutes would go by like that if you get down there with a controller in your hand in, uh, in your car and you're invested in building something. That'd be cool. Meanwhile, moving away from video games for a minute, uh, Elon gave an update on the status of Advanced Summon, which I remind you for the, the many of you out there, the many uh, Tesla owners who have enhanced autopilot, you know, that, that package was thrown out recently and changed, but For those of you who have uh, enhanced autopilot, the advanced summon is the final new feature being added to EAP. Elon saying, quote, almost ready. I'm testing it personally. Pardon me. I'm testing it personally this weekend, which as I record this means last weekend. And he later added, just as a little footnote here, he said, smart summon is coming soon. So apparently... Enhanced Summon has been renamed within just the span of this past week, which, of course, doesn't mean anything. It's just a name, but uh, that, that does certainly indicate that it's getting closer if they've, if they've settled on a final name for it. And I don't know, you know, I've seen the videos of, of it in early access. I know it's, it's changed and it's co- continued to be in development and it will continue to evolve even after it releases to the public. As it stands now, you know, I don't know what state it's going to publicly release in, but I'm not sure how much practical use I'll personally have for it because San Francisco is very tight, very congested, very, very strange. Even just your average parking lot tends to be odd in some way here in the city. But uh, as you, as I said, it, it had been in the early access program and, and you know, some of those videos if you see it, saw them online, it, it kind of looked like the car was only going two, maybe three miles an hour, which would seem to make it a bit impractical in just about any real world situation. But as I said, I, I am curious to see what, if any obvious improvements uh, are made to it once it publicly releases versus what we saw in those early videos. But even if there don't end up being any for now, I'm extremely confident that it will get better over time. It'll get faster, it'll get better. But yes, everything else from here on out is part of the full self-driving package. Next Twitter quote from Elon this week was on Tesla's lack of advertising. He says, quote, Tesla does not advertise or pay for endorsements. Instead, we use that money to make the product great. Uh, But he does note that they might entertain the idea someday, saying, quote, maybe so eventually, but it will be information and entertainment 
not trickery, end quote. You know, Tesla gets so much word of mouth advertising now that I just don't really see a, a particular need for them to actually spend money to buy advertising anytime soon. Now, that day will come, of course. There will come a time. But for now, they, they don't really seem to have the extra money to spend there anyway. Although, of course, with any advertising, you're playing by the old adage, right? You have to spend money to make money. Uh, I will be interested to see the tone and feel of Tesla's ads Whenever they do finally decide to uh, to advertise, you know, are they going to be, will the ads be snarky? Will they be matter of fact? Will they be playful? Will they try to be emotional? I'm going to be very, very curious to see, uh, see how those end up. Next this week, moving off of Twitter entirely, that's the Elon, the Musk minute on Twitter, which I guess I realized was about 12 minutes, but he was, he was busy on Twitter this week. Lots to cover. A company-wide email from Elon suggests that the quarter we're in now, that's Q2, is going to be a big one for Tesla in the delivery department. Here's the email. He writes, quote, As of yesterday, we had over 50,000 net new orders for this quarter. Based on current trends, we have a good chance of exceeding the record 90,700 deliveries of Q4 last year and making this the highest deliveries and sales quarter in Tesla history. In order to achieve this, we need sustained output of 1,000 Model 3s per day. Almost all parts of the Model 3 production system have exceeded 1,000 units on multiple days, and then he notes in parentheses, congratulations, and we've averaged about 900 cars per day this week, so we're only about 10% away from 7,000 per week. If we rally hard, we can do it. Thanks for your great work, Elon. Uh, remember, too, that on top of the 50,000 new orders that he mentioned, they've got, they had 10,600 cars. I went back and double-checked the figure. 10,600 cars in transit at the end of Q1 that have probably all been delivered by now here in Q2. Now, Elon is no doubt factoring that in when he's mentioning that they have a chance to beat their all-time delivery record from Q4 of last year, but that's the missing context from his email, just to, just to give you the full picture of things. Also, uh, it, is, it is worth tempering expectations just a bit here. I mean, this is good news. I mean, believe me, I would, I would prefer, it is my, my preference to just go with full unbridled enthusiasm, but just to you know, temper things a little bit, ground things. Remember that Elon has already said that they do expect to lose money again in Q2, before hopefully returning to profitability in Q3 and Q4. So a lot of people saw this email uh, as, it, as it made its way around the internet after it got out. You know, they saw this as kind of a salve for the falling Tesla share price in the recent weeks. But so just, you know, keep, keep this in mind. That's all. That's all I'm saying. The road ahead, man, you know, it, the road ahead remains a difficult one for Tesla. But in time, things are going to be okay. And Q2 here is going to be a big step towards that, even if the bottom line at the end of the quarter doesn't quite show it. You know, there's been a lot, a lot of doom and gloom out there in recent weeks. But as I often like to say, if you've been listening for any length of time, pull back to the 10,000-foot view. We've been here before, the doom and gloom stuff I'm talking about. Does Tesla face serious challenges? Yes, 
but they have continued to overcome them. And in my humble opinion, at this point, with how far Tesla has come and everything they've accomplished, uh, in fact, one little mini news story that I'll crowbar in right here in this context, is that the Model 3 was the third best-selling vehicle, period, in the state of California in April. Vehicle, not plug-in, not electric vehicle, but just vehicle, no adjectives. And it was only 87 units behind the number two car. So it was almost the number two selling car in the entire state. How cool is that? But anyway, uh, at this point, everything Tesla's accomplished, I think they're gonna be okay. The automotive industry is a tough one, but Tesla's gonna make it. I'm so confident of that because the product's too good. You know, that's the thing. The product is too good. And I know, hey, I'm sure there are many examples over time of good products that where the companies don't make it. But um, Elon, never doubt Elon Musk. You know, you've heard me say that a lot before too. And, and here's the thing too, if, if necessary, if, you, if, it, if worse came to worse, you've got some pretty deep-pocketed Silicon Valley behemoths just up the road in, in Google and in Apple that could help them out if need be, you know, in exchange for a substantial piece of the company, because both have made inquiries into purchasing Tesla before. So if Elon really felt that that's what it was going to take to keep Tesla alive and, and secure its future, you know, he would do it. And, and I'm sure Apple or Google would do it. In fact, you might get them bidding over each, uh, between the two of them. You never know. So I'm very confident in Tesla's future. And this Q2 news about with the record deliveries, they are working through this. They are working through the challenge. They're going to get there. Next up this week in not-so-good news, another state is looking to hike the annual registration fees on electric vehicles, though thankfully not quite to the Illinois extreme that I talked about last week. The state in question is North Carolina. Thank you to Dan from North Carolina for sending this in. The story comes via the, Nor uh, pardon me, the North Carolina Policy Watch, Quote, Senate Bill 446, whose primary co-sponsors are Representatives Jim Davis and Tom McInnes, would increase the annual registration fees for plug-in electric vehicles and for the first time assess a registration surcharge on gasoline battery hybrids. EV owners currently pay a $130 registration fee, which would increase to $175 next year. And by 2022, EV owners would pay an additional $275 at the time of the initial registration and each time they renew, end quote. So if you do the math, that is a 35% hike just in year one. And then in a total of three years, it will have more than doubled. So once more, this just does not seem fair compared to gas cars, uh, particularly, by the way, when you factor in the societal benefits that electric vehicles provide. Among Elon's tweets that I didn't talk about from this past week was a story that he linked to about how pollution from freeways travels much farther from those freeways than, than scientists originally thought and how global pollution is basically killing us all slowly. So I would say that driving a car that doesn't contribute to that ought to count for something in the state's eyes, don't you think? So anyway, you know the drill at this point. Contact the aforementioned North Carolina senators 
Davis and McInnes to voice your opposition to this bill. If you are a North Carolina listener of mine, give them a Google search and drop them a line. A couple more stories for you. First up, in what is no doubt an effort to ease the pressure on Tesla service centers, Tesla has released a do-it-yourself service FAQ that's frequently asked questions, if you're not familiar, for the Model 3. You can find it, I'll give you the link here, tesla.com support slash do-it-yourself Model 3 with hyphens in between those words. So do hyphen it hyphen yourself hyphen model hyphen three. The topics that that covers are the following. Restarting the touchscreen, that's the old hold the uh, hold both scroll wheels trick. Pairing a Bluetooth phone, connecting to Wi-Fi, programming Homelink, adding and removing keys, replacing the key fob battery if applicable, installing a phone charging cable, installing a front license plate bracket, replacing cabin filters, checking and adjusting tire pressures, topping up the windshield washer fluid, replacing the wiper blades, manually releasing the charging cable. I had that one happen to me and told you about that. That was on my uh, my Arizona trip from over the holidays. Uh, calibrating the windows, removing and installing the aero covers if you've got the 18-inch aero wheels, and removing and installing lug nut covers. So this whole thing is clearly just a, it's another little thing, little thing in the grand scheme of things for Tesla that makes a lot of sense. Teslas are different and in some cases weird, and I don't mean weird in a bad way, but from a, from a service perspective, they're a little weird, right? As far as doing things yourself, just by nature of the EV powertrain. But you know, there's no reason why you should need a service center appointment for say, topping up the windshield washer fluid or changing the windshield wiper blades or pairing a phone or replacing the cabin air filter, et cetera, et cetera. So I would suggest go to that page, bookmark it in your web browser. Even if you don't need it right now, you will probably need it eventually. And finally this week, I like to end on a fun note as always. I mean, I hope the whole show is fun, but even if there's (laughs) some less than great news to cover, try to end on a high note with the news segment. So a new Rick and Morty themed Easter egg has been added to the Sentry Mode capable fleet. So if you're in the group of cars that that has Sentry Mode, uh, this will work in your car. You can turn on your voice command. So hit that scroll wheel on the the right scroll wheel, wait for your voice command cue. And then when it's ready, say, keep summer safe. And uh, it will activate Sentry Mode for you as you exit the vehicle. Now, if you're not familiar, Rick and Morty is a very insane, and again, in a good way, very insane adult, very adult animated sitcom series that is loosely inspired by Back to the Future. You've got the two main characters are a uh, this genius alcoholic scientist named Rick uh, who takes his, his uh, I don't know, maybe he's supposed to be probably 13, 14, something like that, his, his sort of voice cracking innocent uh, grandson Morty on interdimensional travels. Uh, Rick has a, has a spaceship and he, he can, he can travel the multiverse basically. Uh, so I wanted to play, you know, Elon has, has said he loves the show. I, I'm also a big fan of it. I was a little late to the party. I didn't see, I think I came to it like either in the middle of, or towards the end of season one, all my friends started talking about it, checked it out. It's on adult swim. And yes, it is, it is fantastic. So 
in this clip, I'm going to play you the clip that that the keep summer safe thing comes from. And it's so the setup is this Rick, Morty and Morty's sister, Summer, go to the movies in another dimension. So they've taken Rick's spaceship. They've gone into another dimension. They're off having a good time. They're they're seeing a movie in, in a in a parallel dimension on Earth. And uh, there turns out they get back to the car after the movie. There's a problem with the battery in their spaceship. You'll hear them talk about that. And the spaceship, if you picture it, it's, a, it's the size of a car. So Rick and Morty have to teleport into the battery, because it's alien technology, to fix it, leaving Summer alone in the spaceship. And it's kind of a glass bubble Jetsons type of thing. So that's the setup. Here's the clip. And then after that, I'll head uh, straight into the Ride the Lightning hotline. So here's the clip, and then I'll be back in just a minute. Jeez, I can't believe we found a version of Earth with a Ball Fondler's movie franchise. I can't believe the things this reality considers PG-13. Yeah, I'm pretty jealous. Don't be, Morty. There's pros and cons to every alternate timeline. Fun facts about this one. It's got giant telepathic spiders, 11 9-11s, and the best ice cream in the multiverse. Shut We're going to go get some ice cream, motherfucker. Oh, great. Oh boy, what's wrong, Rick? Is it the quantum carburetor or something? Quantum carburetor? Jesus, Morty, you can't just add a sci-fi word to a car word and hope it means something. Huh, looks like something's wrong with the microverse battery. We're gonna have to go inside. Um, go inside what? The battery, Morty. Be right back, Summer. Stay put, don't touch any buttons, and ignore all random thoughts that feel... Spidery. Wait, you can't leave me here. You'll be fine. Ship, keep summer safe. Keep summer safe. Ah, wonderful. Hey, excuse me. Hello? Um. Well, you uh, think you're better than me? Nobody's better than me. Hey! Summer safe. Hey, man, what the hell? That was my daughter's pediatrician. No, stop. Don't kill him. Confirmed. Oh, God. I can't feel my legs. Help. Help. Summer is safe. I don't feel safe. Confirmed. No. Oh, God, help me. Help me. Help me. Please, you can help me. We head into the second half of the show with, of course, the Ride the Lightning hotline, where you can call in with your questions, your comments, your Tesla discussion topics. I encourage it. I welcome it. I invite you anytime, uh, day or night. There's one of two easy ways that you can participate. Either use your smartphone's built-in voice recorder, record something, and email it to me at the email address teslapodcast at gmail.com. Alternatively, you can call in and leave a message on the Ride the Lightning hotline. It's a toll-free number, which is 1-888-989-8752. That's 1-888-989-8752. 
T-S-L-A. And if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they're special. The recordings can be podcasted, or you can put them onto a keepsake. If you want to learn more, visit lifeonrecord.com. And just a friendly reminder, please keep your calls to 90 seconds or less, if you can. That way I can get to as many calls per week as possible. We'll kick it off with Dave from San Francisco wants to talk about the Model 3 tow hitch. Go ahead, Dave. Hey, Ryan. Dave from San Francisco. Um, I'm out on a bike ride, as I usually am on Sundays, listening to your podcast. And uh, I've heard now a few different uh, callers about the uh, tow hitch for the Model 3 uh, and the fact that you can't retrofit it. I just want to let your callers know that there is uh, aftermarket tow um, hitches. I have a friend in Union City that used to work for Tesla. He's an engineer. He made his own um, hitch for his Model 3, and he's got other ones that he sells. So his name is Bill Davis in Union City, and uh, just thought I'd let you know that. And I think that there's another one, uh, commercial place that also makes the hitch, and this was uh, before Model S offered a hitch. So anyway, hope that helps. Thanks very much. Bye-bye. Thanks, Dave. This is a good thing to mention because I wasn't clear enough, I think, in what I was talking about. It's good to get the information out that it can be done. You've just reminded me, actually, that uh, my friend Ben Sullins, who I interviewed on the show a while back from Teslanomics made a video about the Model 3 tow hitch, or, you know, installing one. But the one issue, or maybe I should say, the one thing to be aware of if you do install an aftermarket tow hitch is that, uh, just again, at the risk of stating the obvious, but just to make it clear for everybody, you know, that it may very well have warranty implications. Whereas if you were to order it from Tesla, or if Tesla were to offer a factory retrofit, then you know that you would be in the clear warranty-wise. So thanks for those Bay Area suggestions for my Northern California listeners, Dave. That's super helpful. Our next caller is Andy from Seattle, picked himself up a new Tesla and wanted to talk about it. Andy, go ahead. Hey, Ryan. It's Andy here from Seattle. Longtime listener. I'm calling in now that I finally, my wife and I put down a deposit. We were able to find a new inventory 100D, uh, which has been a long amount of research and time over four to five months, but we finally put a deposit down. So I guess now the next question is, any tips from people about the first month or so, anything that I should do to be proactive in keeping the longevity of the car uh, and all that I know of uh, things such as tint and ceramic pro, but I would love to hear some tips, even if it's interior options, exterior options, obviously, and not wanting to go too over the top, but just some insider pro tips. That would be great. All right. Thanks again for all your work and uh, it's been extremely helpful in my research to finally be at this day where we have now bought our first uh, Model S. All right. Thanks so much. Bye. Andy, congratulations. Uh, the rest of the listeners don't know. Andy's been corresponding with me via email for a while and try, just trying to find the right car for him and his family, the right deal. So Andy, I'm, I'm super happy for you. And Andy, since you've been listening for a while, I think you're probably already pretty well informed. I mean, not to, I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but with all the listener pro tips and, you know, everything, uh, all the information we try to get out there here, uh, I feel like you're, you're well positioned, well informed as to where to go from here. But 
just to make sure uh, of sort of the one key thing I would mention, again, at the risk of, of stating the obvious, it's always, always good to be safe rather than sorry, but just make sure that you're not charging the car to more than 90% state of charge on a regular daily basis. Save 90, you know, save the above 90% threshold for trips when you actually need it. In fact, I think these days the software might even be smart enough. I think it warns you if you start to charge it higher than 90% on a regular basis because when I uh, got back from, I think it was the Model Y trip to LA, you know, I'd been charging to 100 for that trip and I accidentally forgot to put my, uh, my maximum charge limit back to 90% after I got home. So the next morning, the car charged all the way up to 100 and when I got in it, I'm pretty sure it had, had, you know, politely yelled at me saying, hey, you probably shouldn't do this. So uh, anyway, 90% and you're good to go. Andy, enjoy it. Curtis from San Francisco, we'll go back to the Bay Area here, uh, in, a, in a situation similar to what I found myself in with regard to uh, working through the, the notion of a Tesla purchase with your spouse and making that decision together, both being on the same page. So, Curtis, let me see if I can help you out. Hi, Ryan. This is Curtis from San Francisco. I've been in discussions with my wife about the Tesla purchase. As you know, it's very important to get signed off from your spouse on such a major purchase. She is on board with the technology and knowing Tesla is way ahead of everybody on the EV front. However, with Tesla's financial challenges lately, the rounds of capital collection, the 10 months left of burn rate left, and the lack of profitable quarters lately, she's very hesitant to buy from a company that she feels is somewhat unstable and could possibly be out of business in the future. What would you think would be points to bring up to help shore up a bit more confidence in Tesla's long-term viability? Or should we wait it out until stability is established in the company before placing the order? Thanks for your advice and keep up the great work. Well, Curtis, I don't know you or your wife, obviously, but hey, it's a legitimate thing to discuss when making such a large purchase. First, I think the burn rate comment from Elon's email to the company in which he had said that they'd be going into a hardcore lockdown on expenses, meaning that the CFO is going to sign off on everything, and Elon said he's going to sign off on every 10th thing, I think that's been way overblown in the reporting of it overall. You have to remember how Elon communicates. This is something that I feel like I'm pretty in tune with from covering every single like public comment he's made over the last almost four years since I've been doing this podcast. But the way he communicates is very, very matter-of-factly. So when Elon said that there'd only be 10 months of cash left at their current burn rate, He's using that as an example. He doesn't mean that that's how things are, are uh, exactly, uh, you know, literally, or how they're going to continue. But anyway, I, I would make a couple of points to your wife. Number one, the product speaks for itself. I think I said it earlier in the show. And Teslas, they're, they're the safest cars on the road with the highest owner satisfaction on a continual yearly basis. They're greener, safer, and perform better, and they improve as you own them. As we've seen, again, just in 2019 alone, in less than six months, so many excellent, practical, and fun new features added to these cars. It's awesome. 
It's just, it's simply light years different than buying another car. I won't, I'll say it's better for me, and I think a lot of people listening to this would argue better. I won't, I'm not gonna say it's better for everyone. That's not a fair blanket statement, but it is definitely different. That, and and for many people, they find it better. Uh, and let's see, what else? Uh, and, oh, that's what I wanted to say. <laughs> I don't want this to sound culty, because I'm, I really don't mean it this way, but in my opinion, buying a Tesla is... Uh, being a part of the solution rather than the problem, whether you're talking about climate change or uh, uh, you know supporting American-made industry, uh, what have you. Number two, the other big point I wanted to make is that Tesla has proven themselves. I was sort of talking about this earlier in the podcast. I really feel like they've they've proven themselves beyond a shadow of a doubt of being capable and not just capable of actually building incredible products that people love. So if Tesla's financials got really bad, again, like I was talking about earlier, I don't believe for a second that a Google or an Apple wouldn't swoop in to buy them and put them, or at least, you know, inject a major amount of cash in order to uh, get that it would gain them a major foothold in the automotive market. I mean, Apple, after all, it's one of the worst kept secrets. Elon himself has commented on this over the years of the Project Titan at Apple, which was supposedly their electric vehicle car program, which has, you know, seemingly stalled out. Sorry, pardon the... <laughs> that was a totally unintended car pun, but, you know, we haven't heard anything about it in a while. It seems like it's it's not going anywhere. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But, yeah, you don't think Apple would want to just dip into that wealth of cash that 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 war chest of theirs and buy a big piece of tesla if not all of it and just get a turnkey amazing you know solution that that would honestly kind of fit right in with the apple brand you know these these the apple i think is all about products that people love that was always steve jobs's thing and teslas certainly are that in fact yeah i, I think if elon went to to Google and Apple and said to each one of them, make me an offer. Let's keep Tesla alive. There, there might be a bidding war, like I was talking about earlier. Uh, if, if, in fact, there wouldn't be also other mystery players involved in that as well. But, you know, you or anyone else may very well disagree with me on any or all of that. There is certainly a bare case to be made for Tesla's financial situation. I don't discount that. That's my thought on it. One other just little footnote for you that just just tonight, in fact, after I got home from work, um, about getting your wife on board and you know, kind of separate from the financial, like Tesla's financials, as far as sort of getting the spouse on board. You know, if you've listened for a while, uh, or if if you haven't, I guess I should say, you know, my wife was on board with the the basic idea of buying a Tesla, but not with the idea of, of really adding any of the bells or whistles. She saw cars as purely point A to point B, get the cheapest thing possible. You know, they're depreciating assets. Well, she has certainly altered her perspective in the, in the nine, I guess, almost 10 months now that I've had the car to the point that tonight, as I, after I got home from work, she, you know, she's not in the car market, but she comes out of her, of her office and she's asking me about uh, BMW's electric cars, the, the Mini Cooper Electric, because she's got a, a, an old Mini now, uh, old meaning old BMW version, not the original, 
But uh, and then the the she's like, well, what's the other one that I've seen? I'm seeing them everywhere. Oh, the i3 is what she's talking about. And the only reason she's bringing up BMW is because they're they're they and Fiat are the only people making very small, like super compact uh, electric vehicles. There's the Fiat 500e, and then the upcoming, I guess the the Mini Cooper electric supposed to be out next year, and the BMW i3, which is out now. Because my wife, you know, we live and work in San Francisco. She's she just does not want to drive anything but a tiny car. That's just that's how she is and how she wants to be. And so Tesla, she knows Tesla doesn't offer anything along those lines and and has no plans to in the immediate future. So she just of her own accord was asking me about those cars and she didn't even try to ask about, you know, a gas car, like just, Oh, what about just another new mini regular? No, she came looking, looking to, to talk about the electric vehicle version. So they do, I think even in the, um, maybe most, most, uh, good-heartedly skeptical of spouses, Teslas and electric vehicles, once you live with them, uh, seem to, to do a pretty good job on their own of, of, uh, of really getting, getting the significant other on board. Anyway, thank you so much for your call, Curtis. Sorry I rambled on there for a while. Andrew from Ottawa is up next and has what he poses as an ethics question. Andrew, let's talk about it. Hey, Ryan, Andrew from Ottawa here. I'm calling with a bit of an ethics question that uh, came back to me again with the introduction of the tow hitch in European regions, and that's that uh, Tesla introduces various new features to their cars on a pretty regular basis. It's fantastic. And that's uh, with their return policy. So if you are a happy new customer and you uh, are about to or have just received uh, your shiny new Tesla on your ecstatic with it and then they introduce some sort of new feature like a tow hitch that is only available on uh, new vehicles at least for now uh the question is do you take advantage of that return policy if that is your only complaint uh there are a couple sides to it a lot a lot of paperwork um and it could cost tesla a few thousand dollars but you get yourself a fancy new thing but at the same time that vehicle is everything that you ordered when you ordered it and you're already happy with it. Anyway, I'd love to know your thoughts. Uh, keep up the great work. Thanks. Bye. Hi, Andrew. Different people probably have different answers to this, but for me, I'd have no problem returning a car within that no questions asked return policy window of seven days or a thousand miles, whichever comes first, if something like a new feature was introduced. Like, if I had bought a Model S and just taken delivery within that window, and then that technical refresh hit, the one that's that's just coming out now, uh, with, with the longer range battery and the new suspension, I would absolutely return the car. Because, you know, that new stuff, that is substantial. The additional 10% extra range and a, uh, you know, new, uh, new version of new motors and, uh, you know, new suspension, I would, that would totally be worth taking advantage of that policy. No question, you know, because it's a two-way street, right? Tesla doesn't do traditional model years, so things change very quickly. Sometimes you luck out by getting a cool new thing that you didn't even order, and sometimes you roll snake eyes and you miss out on something. But hey, if you're playing by the rules with that return policy, in my book, totally fair game. Uh, hope that hope that helps <laughs> you decide what you're gonna do. Sam from Montana is next. Uh, wants to talk about the audio system in the car. Sam, go ahead. 
Hi, Ryan. This is Sam from Montana. I hope you're well. I love what you're doing on your podcast, and I appreciate how you're bringing the community information and bringing uh, a lot more fun to everybody's experience with their Tesla. Um, I have a Model 3, and I'm calling because I've experienced an interesting situation with the audio system in my Model 3. I love listening to your podcast and other podcasts through the audio system in the car, but I've also obviously got my iPhone connected via Bluetooth to the same system. When I go back and forth between the car's audio features and my iPhone, the volume levels of those two uh, different devices are completely different. And I found that I could be listening to, um, you know, a, a, the radio through the through the car, and then I'll ask Siri for a command, and that tone that Siri makes is so piercing and so loud, um, much higher than the audio that I'm used to with the uh, podcast playing or the radio playing. I'm curious if others have the same problem. I've searched and searched to see if there's some way to balance the two volumes of the two different um, inputs to the audio system, but I have not found anything either on the uh, iPhone or in the Tesla setup to do such a thing. I wanted to see if others had the same problem, if I'm not thinking about this right. Appreciate everything you do and look forward to hearing the answer. Hello, Sam. And uh, yeah, it's not just you. The Bluetooth does not get nearly as loud as the car's own sourced audio does. One small suggestion, if you haven't tried this already, pardon me if you have, but Crank the volume on your phone, the Bluetooth source device, as high as it can possibly go. That will minimize the gap in volume between that Bluetooth phone and the car's audio. I personally learned that one the hard way after I took delivery because I was trying to play some stuff off my phone. I think I was maybe uh, looping in with... um, uh, Pandora, that's what I've got. And I was just like, why is this? Man, this is so quiet. I've got the volume cranked. And then I noticed on the phone, like, oh, okay, if I turn the phone volume up, it tur- you know makes the output on the car higher, and it's, it's definitely more manageable. There's still a difference, but uh, a noticeable one, I would add. But, but that maybe will help you out. I don't know. Pete from Dallas up next. He reacts to my comment about the Santa Monica Tesla store and the, the new space that Tesla seems like they might be moving into down there. Pete, you're on the air. Hey, Ryan, it's Pete from Dallas. I just wanted to pick up on your mention last week of the Santa Monica Tesla store. Um, <clears throat> with the sort of decline of the traditional shopping mall in, in America, at least, with, you know, Macy's and Penny's and Toys R Us kind of fading away, um, a lot of landlords are encouraging the sort of halo brands, which are, you know, Tesla and Apple are two good examples, to take up residence in their malls. Um, just because it brings foot traffic, it kind of increases the the visibility of the mall. So my guess is that certainly for a location like Santa Monica, Tesla got offered a pretty good sweetheart deal to relocate to a more prominent location. Um, the flip side of that is that um, near to me, there's a, a pretty upscale outdoor mall, which has a Tesla store and directly opposite there's an Apple store that's been there for quite a long time. Um, and from talking to the Apple store manager, um, the sales tax that they generate for the city is equal to the rest of the outdoor mall combined. And it's a pretty big location. There's probably 100 plus stores and restaurants and movie theater and so on. Um So in Texas, you know, a Tesla store generates no revenue. So I don't know what benefit they get other than just being a kind of cool name to to have on board. 
Um, but certainly in Santa Monica's case, um, I would assume that you know they they're expecting a decent amount of sales tax revenue from from having that store in a more prominent location. Anyway, just wanted to kind of give that uh, viewpoint. It's a little different for Texas, but certainly California, it makes sense. Thanks. Bye. You know, Pete, I hadn't really thought about it that way. And the you know the outdoor mall that Tesla uh, is is seemingly ready to move into in Santa Monica at the promenade there. It is indeed full of some rather upscale shops from having just been down there and walked around it. I hope they do move in there, but, you know, in the grand scheme of things, it's probably also a bit of a lower priority these days. So we shall see. If anybody, again, is in Santa Monica out in my audience and you see them move in, let me know. I'd be curious. Brian from Virginia is up next. Uh, He wanted to talk about my comment on charging in in, uh, San Francisco airport. While I was on a trip last week on that very Santa Monica trip, Brian, go ahead. Thanks, Brian. It's Brian from Virginia. Just with a question, you mentioned in your last episode that you had parked for several days at the SFO airport on a charger and left your car there the entire time you were gone. Uh, period. I wonder if you can explain because here in on the East Coast, that's considered very bad form. And because you're basically tying up a charger and it can't be used by anybody else who might need one to get home with or whatever. So, and in fact, I know that even the, the superchargers begin to charge idle fees if you stay on them longer than it takes to charge. That may not be true with a charge point. But anyway, just curious to hear what the explanation is, if maybe I misunderstand. Thanks very much. I love the podcast. Thanks for your call, Brian. And, you know, I I was thinking about this. I I thought I was clear about uh, where I was and and what the situation was. But just in case anybody else out there was wondering the same thing you were and thinks, man, that that Ryan's a a real uh, a real bad guy for for taking up a a charging spot for days at a time. Uh, So just to super clarify, I was at the long term parking garage. So. It's it's brand new long-term parking garage, as I said. There's rows of chargers on every floor. And it's, by virtue of being in the long-term garage and the fact that it's free, it's it's obvious to everyone there, just by default, that you're going to be there for a while. So, uh, you know, those rows and rows of chargers are there with the intention that they're going to be tied up for days at a time. So no poor etiquette on my part, I assure you. Because uh, believe me, I am am definitely a big proponent of electric vehicle and, and charging etiquette. Uh, and in fact, I, I'm a big proponent of proper etiquette in real life. I'm just sort of that's how I'm wired. If you if you know me in real life, you know that I'm uh, I, I I try to be as as polite and and respectful as possible uh, at all times. So hope that clears it up. Uh, thanks for the call, Brian. Jeff from Dallas, going back to Dallas here with Sentry Mode talk here from Jeff. Go ahead. Ryan, hi, it's Jeff from Dallas. It's been a while since I've called in, but I've got a question and wanted to see whether or not you had any information. Sentry Mode has been a great addition, and it seems like more and more things things are being captured. It's it's great. Uh, One of the big lacking items in my mind is the inability to review Sentry events from the screen. You have a 15-inch, you know, wonderful screen right in front of you and when you get back into the car you have to save the events you know pull the the usb out go take it to a computer or other device 
And that really, th- th- there's a, a real opportunity for Tesla to, to bring some customer experience in a way that I would think would be pretty easy. I don't think that same thing would apply to just regular dash cam footage where there's less of a, a need to review that material. But for sentry mode, it seems like that's a critical thing. Some some people wouldn't see a scratch, wouldn't see a ding until later. Whereas if you had the sentry mode uh, able to be reviewed right there in the car, you might be able to put a note, take down a license plate number, et cetera, as needed uh, when you're in a situation or when you're in a certain environment where something has occurred. Anyway, curious about your thoughts and whether or not you've heard anything from Tesla about it. Thanks. A couple things on this, Jeff. First, since the car does now alert you to any events it recorded when you get back in your car, you'll see on the screen, you know, X number of century events recorded, you can at least press the recording icon on that top row of your screen when you get back in your car and it's it's logged events so that you've got them saved in the in the saved clips folder so that if it does turn out to be something nefarious, you'll have it. Second, Elon had said back when Sentry Mode was first rolling out that they would be adding functionality to it as time went on. I mean, they know that people want to be able to review events right on the screen. I'm sure they do themselves as they use it. So I have zero doubt that they will be adding that feature over time. When? Can't tell you that. No idea there. But I am confident that it will get there. Thanks for calling in, Jeff. Always good to hear from you. Two more calls this week. First up, Jonathan from Atlanta wants to talk about one of the new features in the version 16 software of 2019, 2019.16. Go ahead, Jonathan. Ryan, Jonathan from Atlanta. Longtime listener and uh, called a few times. Real quick, I'm not sure if it is a pro tip of the week or just a general call in that you want to place on the show, but I happen to notice a couple of things. In fact, I have to give my credit to my daughter for noticing the new render on the update 2019-16.2. The new render of the car is spectacular, as, as you already and many listeners have, have found out. Um, and actually, I got early access to it uh, when I got Enhanced Summon a while ago, so I did notice a few things about the render you know, before this. But anyway, in particular now, what is really cool that I, I'm hoping... Uh, that the, the listeners will be able to get to, to check out is that on the render of your car, when you're driving during the daytime, when it's clear, you get to see on the roof of the car, the reflection off the roof of the car. Now this is again, the render of the car on the left-hand side of the screen shows clouds moving across the, the reflection of clouds of course, animated um, moving across the, the roof of the car. Um, and they change based on the speed of the car, the speed of the clouds, that, that is. Um, so that's pretty cool. And uh, I hadn't noticed that in early access. What I, my daughter had noticed in the early access when I saw the render was that we were driving in the rain, and you actually get to see the rain droplets uh, roll off the the roof of the car. And it, again, they speed up and slow down depending on how fast or, or slow you go. Um, but what I noticed tonight is that as soon as your screen changes to nighttime mode, and, of course, you're driving the stars sparkle off the roof of the car. I mean, really, seriously, completely useless, right? But completely cool. So again, you gave credit to Tesla software team. They are just kicking butt. Um, definitely like to call them out as well, too. Just totally appreciate uh, these updates and all the little subtle things that they do. Uh, but anyway, there you go. Keep it up, man. 
Love the show. Well, I'm personally still waiting on that new version, but that is awesome, Jonathan. Gotta, you got to love those just extra touches that the Tesla software team, they totally don't have to put in there. There's just no good reason, really, for it to be there other than it just looking nice and feeling premium and just being a cool thing. So more props, as you noted, to the Tesla software team. Just wonderful work. Love it. And finally this week, last and certainly not least, Gary from Chicago uh, responding to the Illinois EV registration hike proposal. Gary, talk to us. Hey, Ryan. Gary calling here from Chicago, Illinois. I'm responding to the news you had last week about one of our state senators proposing a bill that would raise electric vehicle tax or raise electric vehicle registration fees from $38 every two years to $1,000 every year. Um, I think it's it's a given that I'm against this, as I'm a huge electric vehicle fan, um, and I do plan on owning my own EV in the future. Uh, this especially hits home because I I want to be part of the community, and I was even fortunate enough to work at Tesla last year. Um, I'm calling because I wanted to suggest an idea that maybe we could use to work with the senator um, compared to just against him. Um, Right now in Illinois, it's a $100 annual registration fee for gasoline vehicles, and it's $38 every two years if you're fortunate enough to own an EV. Um, I think what would uh, float this guy's boat a little more, as opposed to just you know us saying that this is wrong, um, is to reframe his his uh, bill to instead just be a 15% discount or, or 25% discount or whatever. Um, for electric vehicles sold in the state or registered in the state. So instead of paying $100 a year for gas uh, registration, it's only 75 or 85 or whatever, um, which still incentivizes EVs because it's the right thing to do. Um, and it also gets Illinois the funding that it would need to do whatever road works that it, um, that it needs to do, which isn't funded by electric vehicles, which aren't buying gas. Um, so, I get what he's after, and I think the only way to stop him is to redirect him to a, a, a better solution. Um, anyway, I'm going to step off my soapbox here. Thank you so much for your your continued work. I love listening to this podcast every single week. It is my source for uh, all the latest Tesla goodies. So thank you. Um, thank you. Thank you. Have a great week, and I look forward to hearing uh, your next show. Bye-bye. Love your approach on this, Gary. Positivity is always a good approach, in my humble opinion. I hope anybody that listens to this show, they you you pick that up organically. That's uh, that's I'm, my way of doing things as well. So, Gary, I trust that you've contacted Senator Sandoval's office with your thoughts on this. If not, I certainly encourage you to do so, and I will most certainly be keeping an eye on the status of this proposal as it uh, hopefully doesn't move through the legislative process. All right, before I uh, take another quick break and move on to the pro tip of the week and the, the wrap-up, uh, just a quick shout-out. DJ from L.A. Uh, DJ, you called in uh, seemingly some sort of upholstery question, but your call broke up enough where I couldn't quite get your question. So if you'd like to call back, feel free. I did not forget about you, DJ from L.A. All right, with that, be right back with... Uh, my Spirit of Adventure adventures, the pro tip of the week, and the plugs for you right after this. 
Well, what I've been up to in my own car this week is, in fact, turning a new feature off. I, I have a Tesla confession to make, my friends. I turned lane change confirmation for Navigate on Autopilot back on. And I have to admit, I'm way happier now. I, I have zero doubt, zero doubt that the auto lane changes are going to get much faster. Uh, but, but for now, as they are, it's just been causing me more stress as I drive than it did before the feature was added. So for now, I've, I've turned them off. I feel great. So it still suggests lane changes, but now I can just easily ignore them if I don't want them. Or if I do want them, I just tap the turn signal and they execute right away instead of thinking about it and then putting the signal on and then going. It's, I'm just <laughs> much happier this way. It's no disrespect to the Tesla autopilot team. I can't imagine the complexity of the problems that they are trying to solve. But, uh, you know, I just kind of felt like I had an obligation to stick with it. And I obviously I did up until this week, but yeah, it was just in, in traffic, you know, in San Francisco here, and I'm sure a lot of other places, it's not like, I mean, our traffic's probably no worse than most other metropolitan areas, but it's, yeah, it's, as I talked about in my initial impressions of it, it just takes too long from the initial car suggestion of changing lanes to the car actually completing that lane change and you know, it's it's just been uh, a little too aggravating, and you know, it'll it'll check for the hands on the wheel, and I'm like, well, no, I don't want to do it, so I'll take my hands off, and then it's yelling at me, and uh, yeah, I've turned it, I've turned the confirmation back on. I feel really good, and I will continue to check in on it as as uh, new updates to the neural net and and to the feature itself roll out. All right, let's do a pro tip of the week. Darren from Roanoke, Virginia. Uh, this is in regards to a little autopilot shortcut, which, like I said, this, a lot of these now, I can't even keep them straight. Like, I feel like I've mentioned this one at some point in the past, but again, for new listeners, for anybody that maybe didn't hear it, it's always worth, uh, worth it just in case. And, and I can't rely on my own memory at this point. So, Darren, talk to us. Hey, Ryan. It's Darren calling from Roanoke, Virginia. Um, just wanted to throw something out there. It might be a pro tip. Uh, I was I, I was driving along in autopilot and I touched the speed limit and the car adjusted the speed to the speed limit. Uh, I hadn't noticed I hadn't noticed that before. Uh, so and I think this only works on Model Threes because I think at the Model S the what shows the speed limit is not a touch screen. Uh, but if you are in cruise control or autopilot and you click on the speed limit, it'll automatically adjust your speed to the speed limit. So a little uh, tip for everyone to use. I don't know how often that will be helpful for everyone, but just something to throw out there. Thanks for the show. Talk to you soon. Yes, indeed, Darren. This one is useful. And what's cool, by the way, I'll add on to this, is if you have an offset setup. I, I actually set mine to plus seven miles per hour over the speed limit, which means that when you touch that 65 mile an hour speed limit sign uh, and you're going less than that in your car, it's going to instantly set the car 
to 72 miles an hour, saving you the trouble of having to manually set it there with the scroll wheels if you want to go a little bit faster than the posted 65 mile an hour steer, uh, speed limit. So cheers, Darren. Thanks so much. Again, if you've got a pro tip of the week, feel free to send it my way. Just some little interesting nugget that you've learned about your Model S, Model X, Model 3, original Roadster maybe. You can send that in the same way that you fire off those hotline calls. All right, time to hit the road here. But first, I want to say hi to abstractocean.com because they continue to offer it seemingly in perpetuity for now. It's great. Just take advantage. It's out there. If you've never gone on abstractocean.com, they are a uh, fine Tesla retailer uh, of the aftermarket variety. They've got all kinds of neat stuff from uh, lighting kits are probably their, I guess, specialty, I would say. They've got a lot of great interior and exterior lighting kits. So if you want to make those footwell lights brighter, they've got uh, drop-in, you know, easily uh, plug-and-play replacements for that. Uh, the puddle lights to go in the door to shine that cool Tesla logo onto the ground like the bat signal when you get out of your car at night. The TESLA Roadster style lettering you can put across the back of your car. All kinds of neat stuff. So check them out, abstractocean.com, and get 15% off of your very first order there using the coupon code RTLPODCAST. All one word, RTLPODCAST. Check them out. Meanwhile, Immaculate Reflections taking great care of me and a lot of Bay Area people in the detailing department. If you you know plan to keep your Tesla for a while, as I do, maybe you want to get some uh, paint correction, get rid of any factory flaws in there. Every, every manufacturer, not just Tesla, ships cars with factory flaws in the paint. They, they can't make them all perfect when they deliver them. So uh, you do that. You could do paint protection film. You could do ceramic coating, which uh, if you're not aware is basically like a, a super wax where you don't, you won't have to wax your car for three plus years, depending on how long the ceramic coating lasts. So you can do any of those. You can do all those. Learn more at Immaculate Reflections website, which is irdetailing.com. Uh, let's see, the 5,000 free supercharger mile thing is over now that I guess it ends as I record, uh, here on the 24th, I guess the 27th, Monday is the last day, Memorial Day in the U S. So that's the last day for that. Then it will revert back to a thousand free supercharger miles. So, um, again, Find somebody else's code. If you've got a friend, family member, coworker in your life, you can both get those 5,000 or 1,000 free supercharging miles with the order of your Tesla. But again, if, if I'm the only Tesla person in your life right now, just use somebody's code. If it's got to be mine, it's uh, mine is ts.la slash Ryan73014. A reminder that you have to order with the referral code link with you know either mine or hopefully somebody else's otherwise they can't they are not adding them after the fact anymore so just FYI on that if you want to follow me on Twitter or Instagram I'm at DMC underscore Ryan on both of those social medias uh what else I already gave you my email address, teslapodcast at gmail.com uh Jada Wireless Charging Pad no discount but They've uh, kindly, uh, they've got a referral link for me. So if, you know, if I'm driving people their way, 
they'll throw me a few bucks uh, if you order one. So they're, again, they're a hundred bucks, but you know, you just buy it once. That's I've, I've paid a hundred for mine and now I'll never have to, uh, it'll just last the life of the car. So if you've got a Qi compatible wireless uh, charging smartphone, you can get this thing in your in your Model 3. Unfortunately, it doesn't they don't have one for SRX at the moment, but for Model 3, so uh, grab that through the link getjada.com. That's J-E-D-A is how they spell Jada. Getjada.com slash R-E-F slash eight. Finally, Patreon. That is the primary means through which you can support my efforts with this podcast, if you so choose. As always, it's totally voluntary. I will be here for you every Sunday, regardless of whether or not you ever even look at my Patreon page, let alone support me on there. But I would love it if you would at least take a look, and maybe you will consider supporting if you find this podcast useful, informative, fun, and a, and a you know an enjoyable part of your of your week and of your your Tesla experience. So you can find more information about that on Patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N patreon.com slash tesla podcast and with that i want to thank the patreon producers the wonderful folks who are supporting me at the producer tier those folks are dj harbaugh pete white wolfgang obergen george cassiopo david brander jonathan wales alexi heft logan willis matthew para Michael Lester, Robert Maracle, Jason Chalukas, Joe Edgel, Tim Hyde, Marcus Mayenschein, Lars Hoffman, Lawton from Chicago, Peter Chalet, Rome Strack, David Vakil, Ulrich Lassa, Luke A., Eric Randolph, David Nondahl, Gabriel Salais, Jerry and Mary Smith, Brian Hope, Bill Royko, Lyle Austin, Joel Sapp, Dorian Steve Guberman, Luxendary.com, Michael Waddle, Daniel Grummer, Josh... Jeremy, Jeremy Harris, Tesla Owners Taiwan, Rob Brewer, My Tesla Adventure, Ron Lee, Larry Lynch, Lambert Lee, Chris Konesnik, John Cody, Matthew Wright, and Aaron Appleby. Thank you all so much. Please do subscribe to the podcast. This is for everybody. If you don't already, again, no monetary thing there. That's just uh, meaning it will download to you automatically if you are subscribed to it every time I put out a new episode, which is, of course, every Sunday at 9 a.m. Eastern time. You can subscribe on all the major podcast services, including iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn. That's in your Tesla, by the way, with TuneIn, Spotify, or YouTube. Uh, you can also find the RSS feed or individual downloads at the hosting site, which is teslapodcast.libsyn.com. Libsyn spelled L-I-B-S-Y-N. Uh, finally, I guess, what's the last thing I wanted to mention? Oh, uh, next week is episode 200. I guess I'll have more to say about it next week, but I just can't believe I've made it to 200 episodes already. So just... A, a pre-thanks to all of you, whether you've been listening for one episode or for 199. Uh, 200's a lot, and I've gotten there in actually less than 200 weeks. So I feel really good about that, feel feel proud of that, that I've been able to stay consistent and be, be a reliable uh, source of, of Tesla information for you week in and week out. So... Um, I'm I'm hoping to put together something special for next week's show. I don't know if it'll come together, but I've got something in mind. We'll see. But either way, I'll be here for you next week and every week 
with the latest in the world of Tesla. So happy electric motoring, my friends. Thank you all so much for your time. The most valuable thing that you have, in my humble opinion, that you choose to share with me is your time. So thank you all so much for a, a very, very, very sleepy Daisy the Boxer puppy to my left. <laughs> I'm Ryan McCaffrey, as you well know, and I'll see you guys for episode 200 next week. I mean, I think a Tesla is the most fun thing you could possibly buy ever. <laughs> That's what it's meant to be. Well, our goal is to make it's it's not exactly a car. It's actually a thing to maximize enjoyment. Mm. Make it's maximum fun. <laughs>